are featured BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders for this episode are the Alliance for Cancer Gene Therapy, Children Incorporated, and Friends of the Earth. To find out more about these and other BBB Wise Giving Alliance accredited charity seal holders, go to give.org. You're listening to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor, powered by BBBgive.org. Here we explore the motivations that form the basis of giving and service. We inspire generosity and celebrate the transformative effects that giving and service have on the human spirit and on community. The conversations featured on the podcast also uncover giving strategies that educate and provide tools to help listeners make impactful gifts of both their time and money. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast powered by BBBgive.org. Give.org is the nation's standards-based charity evaluator, and it's your one-stop source for information on giving and reports on the most asked about charities. I'm Art Taylor, your host. There are so many interesting and creative ways to give back to society. We talk about many of them on this show. I want to bring to your attention, though, a couple that will certainly help you appreciate what we're about to do today on the show. The first is Habitat for Humanity. Now, I know many of you have heard of that organization that brings communities together to build homes for people in that community who lack a place to live. You probably also have heard about a group called Kaboom. Kaboom is an organization that uses a similar philosophy to bring communities together to build playgrounds for young people so that they have safe places to play. And now comes along an organization that's actually been around for about 10 years. And what it does is build beds for kids who lack a place to sleep. And we're going to hear all about this work by its founder, Luke Mickelson. Now, I should also mention, since I pointed out Habitat for Humanity, I wanted to just call to everyone's attention our thoughts and concerns and prayers for the Jimmy Carter family. We've heard that Jimmy Carter is not doing well right now. And certainly if there is an example of someone giving back to community, it's certainly former President Carter. But today we want to talk with Luke Mickelson about this great work he's doing as the founder of Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Luke, welcome to the Heart of Giving podcast. Thanks so much, Art. Appreciate it. Now, Luke, I'm going to impress you with my information about Idaho, (laughs) the place where you founded this organization. I was a speaker there some years ago and got to learn some very interesting facts about Idaho. First of all, we tend to think of it as this place where we get all of our potatoes. Well, it does have a strong agricultural base, but what most people don't realize is that the tech industry in Idaho far outpaces the agricultural industry. That's right. In fact, the seventh largest chip manufacturer in the world is located in Boise, Idaho. Also, people don't realize that Idaho is one of the fastest growing states in the United States. And it's also 
growing in its diversity at a rate higher than most states in our country. In fact, last time I checked, this was some years ago, right, one in four births in Idaho was a person of color. So there are some interesting facts about your state, Idaho. Again, welcome to the show. And I want to hear about how you got this organization started in Idaho and how it's been able to spread across America and now even to other countries. Well, thank you for that introduction, Art. It's it's great to meet you, and it's a pleasure to be on the podcast. And yes, Idaho, Idaho's great. I, I grew up there. Talk about a place that has got everything from hunting, fishing, outdoors, hiking. I mean, and, and you're right, a lot of people, it's a misnomer that all the potatoes come from Idaho. It used to be. In fact, I think Washington State now actually produces more potatoes, seed potatoes, but more potatoes in Idaho now. We, we do a lot of milk processing being done and, and produced in Idaho now. And yeah, Micron is one of the largest, if not the largest, microchip manufacturing. In fact, they just announced just about, I think, a couple, six months ago, a huge expansion there. So uh, a lot of diversity when it comes to outside of ag that people usually think of, of Idaho. But it is, it's it's a great state. It was it was a great state to be born in. Uh, we, we actually don't live there anymore. Yeah, it, we love Idaho, and we tell everybody, don't tell anybody, so you can just stay away. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it is growing fast. I mean, I... I grew up in a small town called Kimberly, which is just outside of Twin. Twin, Twin Falls was about, oh, 30,000, something like that back in the, back in the 90s. And, and Kimberly was only 3,700. And the only, you know, it was a couple of miles away. It was separated by, lo and behold, a couple of potato fields. But now it's, you know, I think Twin's got to be approaching pretty close to forty-five or 50,000. And, and Kimberly, I graduated with a, with a class of 69 people. I think graduating classes now of my son was pretty close to over 300 or, or maybe maybe it was 200. I can't remember now, but it, it's grown pretty good. And, and I can see why. There's, it's just a great place, great people, lots of fun activities to do. We go back and visit all the time when we can. And, and it's where we started Sleep in Heavenly Peace. Well, so let's talk about Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And you bet. Where did this idea come from? How did you discover that kids don't have beds, not enough kids, not enough beds for kids. Yeah, you know, it's kind of a funny, kind of an interesting story. At the time, I I served in my religious community. I served at what's, what's called a young men's president. In the South, you'd probably kind of consider that a, a youth pastor, although I don't consider myself a pastor. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but my responsibility within the congregation was to provide the spiritual growth as well as activity arm of the young men's program from the ages of 12 to 16, 17, something like that. Well, a part of the the activity arm of the church, they used the Boy Scout program. So essentially, I was what was called a venture leader, but I was over all of the, the Boy Scout leaders, the Boy Scouts themselves, the, the Boy Scout leader, the, the venture leader, and whatnot. But also on the religious side, I met with many other auxiliary leaders within the congregation, and we talked about the needs of our of our church, the needs of our congregation, and the needs of the community. Now, my background is I, I played a lot of sports in high school, uh, had some scholarships. I served a mission for my church. When I came back and got married and had kids, I loved coaching. I don't know, Art. I just loved the opportunity to to serve and, and, and I felt very satisfied when I was out helping people. And so I served as a lot of times in my, in my church, I served as some sort of youth leader, activity leader, and then 
the coaching side, I coached all my kids. In fact, two years ago, I just finished coaching my son's senior year of football. And, you know, just love to, to be around the kids and love to find ways that we can we can serve. Well, in this congregation and in these, these meetings we had, there was a family that popped up. And, and we, had, we had been helping this family, we as in the, the congregation, the church, with rent and, and things of that nature. The, the mom was the local school bus driver. The father suffered from some mental illness. He had a hard time holding down a job. and But they had, gosh, three or four kids, if I recall. But it was brought up in this meeting that these kids didn't have beds to sleep in. And I don't know, you know, it's one of those things are where you kind of sit, something just strikes you. like. And I think it hit me for two two reasons. Like you said earlier, doesn't every kid have a bed? I mean, this I just can't fathom or think about it some kid not sleeping on the, or just sleeping on the floor, not in a bed. So I, I instantly jumped in and said, you know what? I think me and the Boy Scouts can take care of that. And I had, I mean, I didn't know what to do other than we were going to sit in our leadership meetings and say, okay, how can, I want these boys to come up with a good solution. And, you know, <laughs> as you sit in a Boy Scout meeting, ages 12 to 14, 15, trying to get these guys thinking other, other than Xbox or Halo, it was a difficult task, you know? <laughs> But what was really interesting, you could see them kind of light up as as we kind of explained, hey, you know, what would it be like if you were sleeping on the floor every night, you know, and waking up on a, on a hard, you know, hard carpet or hard hardwood? And so I, I could see a little excitement into them. And, and we discussed a lot of options. Let's, you know, let's buy a bed. Let's let's go get one donated. And right then, Art, you know, I just, I got this feeling that I'm, I'm missing out on a great opportunity that I could take an Xbox controller out of these boys' hands. We could put a drill and a sander in it. We could teach them something. Let's build a bed. Now, I've never built one before, but, I mean, I'm pretty handy. I can figure it out, you know. And so I went home that night, and my daughter was sleeping on a bunk bed that my kids had slept on as they've grown. And and I just started measuring it out and looking at it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we got this. We got this. And so for the next uh, couple, I think it was a week and a half or so, I had the Boy Scouts come over to my house, and we built this bunk bed. Now, we did a bunk bed because, well, that's what we had, and the the room that the kids were sleeping in right now were pretty, pretty small, which is pretty typical of the people that we serve. So for space reasons, we, we built a bunk bed. It can be separated into two singles, but we built this bunk bed. And Art, I'll tell you what, like I've never seen kids, 12-year-old kids too, who are hard to keep attention anyways without cookies and refreshments, but... I'd never seen them so excited. They, I mean, they came over. It was a couple of nights in a row. They came over. It was beginning of December in Idaho, which is pretty cold. There was snow, you know, snow on the ground. And we started sanding and screwing boards together and whatnot in the middle of my garage. And and they were happy. Like, they enjoyed it. I, of course, had fun with the kids, too. And we built this bed for this family. And the night that we went to deliver... Some of the kids' parents were pretty excited to see this bed that they built, and they they wanted to be a part of the delivery. Well, I, I had to stay back and clean my, my garage because <laughs> it was full of sawdust and all sorts of stuff. Well, the next day at church, I heard about the experience they had delivering this bed to these kids that didn't have one. And I, I was jealous at first because it was I guess it was such an amazing experience. All the parents came up and thanked me for putting the kids on this project. They talked about it. They enjoyed it. And the, meanwhile, in the back of my head, I'm going, well, I, I didn't get a chance to, <laughs> to reap the reward, if you will. And I remember I went home that day thinking about this. It was all in my head, and, and I, was, I, was, I was filled with, with you know, 
the spirit, if you will, of, of giving and Christmas and all this stuff. And I sit down on my couch and, and at the time really in art, you know, I was going through a little bit of, even a little bit of faith crisis myself, you know, really, who am I? I was 35 mid, you know, mid thirties, you know, you kind of, you've been in the job for 18 years, you know, you feel like, am I really who I'm supposed to be? Am I giving back like I should, you know, and then, and then here I do this project and I got me, my kids over here kind of complaining about the presence that I can't afford to give them, <laughs> you know, and I don't know, all of that, all that culminated into this moment that I'm, I call it a sitting on my couch moment where I said, you know what, here I gave this opportunity for these Boy Scouts to give back. I want my kids to have the same opportunity and I want my kids to see the things that they should be grateful for. So I remember I just got up off the couch and walked out into the garage and my wife at the time was, was cooking dinner and she's like, where, where are you going? And I said, you know what? We got some leftover wood. Me and the kids are going to build another bed. And I had no idea what to do with it, but I just felt inspired that I needed to do this. And I wanted some time with my kids. So that, that week, me and my kids, we sanded and drilled and put together another bunk bed. So here I was, another bunk bed, no idea who to give it to, no idea the problem, right? And it was suggested that maybe I put it on, on Facebook. And so I said, well, okay, if I get to put... Uh, you know, a free bed on Facebook. You can imagine the the people I'm going to get. Well, what happened was actually quite the opposite. I got more people interested that wanted to help. You know, are you going to do any more? Blah blah blah. I was I was shocked more than more than the the people asking for beds. I got more people that wanted to help. And I remember I kind of thought to myself, maybe there's something more here, right? And, and and to find this this child that we wanted to give this bed to was. You know, I wanted to be, it was only one bed, so I really wanted to try to find the one that was in most need. Well, we, we found, there's a friend of mine, I actually served my mission with her. She worked on some societies that, that helped people transitioning out of homelessness. And there was this family who had a couple of daughters. One was named Haley, and Haley was a six-year-old girl that had been sleeping in the backseat of her mom's car her entire life, or, or, or couch diving on friends once in a while. Never had a bed. So... We show up. I was really excited to give this family this bed. We show up, and I walk into the house. They just got this house coming out of out of homelessness, and I, I'd seen poverty before. Art it worked at worked at places or helped places out, but I've never seen it through the eyes of a six year old child before. And we walk into this place. There's not a piece of furniture in the house. There's nothing. There's a a, a hot plate sitting on a milk carton that's got a can of soup on it. That's it. You know. There's no table, a chair, a couch, or tea. I mean, there's nothing. And immediately, I'm sitting there looking at this six-year-old girl, going, "What? What do you do for fun? Like what?" And and what shocked me was she was so excited, so excited that she had this house. So excited. In fact, she grabbed my hand. She says, "You need to come see my bedroom." Art. She'd never had a bedroom before. And uh, it was funny. I was I was on Mike Mike Rose podcast just a couple of months ago, and he pointed out a, a very a very interesting thing that I hadn't thought about. He said, yeah, you called it a bedroom, but there's really no bed in there. So it's just a room. And that's true. We just walked into this room and this room had, you know, it was top wallpaper was ripped and there's holes in the carpet. There's, there's used toys that she was obviously given sitting in the closet. But what shocked me the most was in the corner of this little girl's room was a pile of clothes. And I learned right then that that was her nest. That's what she slept on. 
And that just, it just rocked me. I, I remember thinking, you, you'd think the last six months or where, wherever, that, that she went from the backseat of a car to a pile of clothes. I guess that's an upgrade. But we were so excited. We started bringing in these pieces of the bed. And she kind of was puzzled at first. And then when she realized what it was, because we hadn't told her, oh, she just erupted. I mean, I'd never, Art, I've never seen a, a child hug and kiss a bed before. Wow, 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 wow. And then gave us a hug. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. And then, and then I looked over at this single, the single mom. I mean, tears just pouring down her face. And I was raised by a single mom too. So it even struck me even harder going, I, I can I can't imagine the struggle, the guilt, the frustration that this this young mother has had for six years trying to provide a, a safe place for this for this daughter. Wow. I'm I'm hearing so much in this story and I can see how it's motivated you to, you know, kind of continue doing what you're doing. First of all, you mentioned that you were having your own crisis of faith. You were having your own crisis of where am I in my life? Am I where I should be? Should I be doing more? And sometimes we find that when you give, the power that you think you don't have suddenly comes back. And we overuse the term superhero these days. But your superpowers are present when you're giving. So that's the first thing. You know, we give because we want to help others ultimately. But sometimes giving is what saves us. And when I hear you tell the story about where you were, when you were struck to to give and to do something more for others, how you changed, how it took you from being a person who felt maybe inadequate in many ways to being someone who had something important to give back, to change the lives of someone else. That's the first thing. The second thing I'm hearing, of course, is as a parent, by engaging your kids in this activity and other young people in the activity that you do now, that these young people are being changed. They are now seeing that the world need not revolve around them and their needs, but that there's a bigger world that they can impact at whatever age. And maybe to some extent, while they're kids, they don't have a true responsibility but they're growing into responsibility by first understanding that until everyone has an opportunity, maybe we're not done yet. And in this case, an opportunity to just sleep peacefully. And then the third thing I'm hearing, if you just give me one last uh, comment here, is that we obviously have made an impact on the lives of someone else. And I had a previous podcast guest explain to me that data shows that no matter how small the gift is that we make, we have a bigger impact on the person that we've given it to than we think. So you may believe that 
the impact of sharing just a bed with someone may on a scale of one to 10 be like a three or a four. But to that person, that bed is more like an eight or a nine. And so you've done way more for that person than you could imagine. And I can hear that in your story. I can hear how this young woman responded so graciously and so gratefully by getting this bed that she kissed it. You said you never saw that. So these are three really important takeaways. And if you're listening to this and you haven't given, understand that this giving thing is a force multiplier. It will help you. It will help the person you've given to, and it will have collateral benefits for others who are in your life because everyone will be affected by your generosity. So, Luke, I just wanted to point that out because I hear all of that and probably more in your story. And I just thank you so much for sharing it. So tell us now about how you were able to get this expanded, because as you mentioned, you put out a call to try to get people to to take the bed and what you got in return were more people wanting to help build beds. So how do, <laughs> what happened next with that? Yeah, that's right. And, and I do want to agree one thing, exactly what you said. I, I've, I learned a long time ago, and it's, it's evident and been repeated over and over again, Art. I tell people that to, if you want true joy, true joy, stop looking at yourself and see how you can help someone else out. And your your problems don't go away. Mm-hmm. They just don't seem as heavy. And that that really helps. And, and someone pointed out the other day, you know, look, we, we, all, we all pray for good days. And we have good days and we have bad days. But we should pray for more than just good days. I have found, and, and when I delivered that bed to that girl, I mean, I never built a bed before in my life. I had a a comfortable job that had a career and, and it had an end years later. But the minute I delivered that bed to that child, I quickly learned what my purpose was mm. and it's evident more. And when you have purpose, you don't need good days to get through because you have a purpose. Good days help you get through, but bad days shut those down. When you have a purpose, nothing shuts you down. And I quickly learned, in fact, when we were driving home that night, a friend of mine went with me and to deliver this bed. It was such an overwhelming experience that we really didn't talk to each other. 30 minutes drive home, we didn't really say any, any, anything until I got home. And I said, you know what? For the few hours each night that week that we spent with my kids to build this bed, to deliver and solve a problem like that, that's well worth my time. And right then I said, no, kid is going to sleep on the floor in my town if I have anything to do with it. Now, I didn't realize how big that problem was, but that's how I felt. And, and, you know, Art, I love to hunt. I love to fish. I was a college football junkie on Saturdays. and All of that stuff in that one day, which (laughs) it's hard to not get emotional about. Mm. You look back and you go, they don't, they don't mean anything anymore. It's so less of a concern of mine now uh, as as trying to look and solve that problem for that family. And, and, and quite frankly and selfishly, to, to find that same joy that I got delivering that. And so that's what we did. 
we decided, you know what, we're going to do as many as we can. <laughs> you know, in fact, yeah. I remember a friend of mine says, so, you know, you got to call this thing something. What are you going to call it? And I said, oh, I got the perfect name. Let's call it Beds for Babes, which is not the perfect name. <laughs> right. It's not a good Google search. I don't recommend it. Yeah, it doesn't work out you know, so and well. It was no. Christmas time and everybody loves Silent Night, you know, and what, what better what better catchphrase, if you will, than, than Sleep in Heavenly Peace. And that's what we wanted. I mean, that was, you know, that song centered around... One child receiving a bed years and years ago, mm-hmm. and and really that's that's kind of the not kind of that is what we want for that child is to feel loved and to have a good night's sleep. And so we decided to do more. Um, and so we took our whole Christmas fun and then some, and we built twenty two beds and delivered them all before Christmas that first season. And it was such a great experience. I had a friend come down from Boise, Jordan Allen, who really kind of helped me with a lot of this getting going. He started quote, quote, the chapter. We didn't call them chapters back then, but he started, he wanted to do that in Boise, which was about two hours away. So each year I'd have a build in Twin Falls and we'd do a build up in Boise and then we'd deliver all the beds before Christmas. And what what had happened was as we started to receive more people asking for beds and more people wanting to do builds, it was funny, I'd do a build and two days later I have a friend call me up all mad that he didn't get invited to this build. <laughs> and I said, oh, I, I didn't know you wanted to come. I, you know, this is a sweaty, hot, dusty uh, service project. And, and you know, sanding a board for four hours is not necessarily fun. But, I, you know, it was amazing, Art. It was amazing to see these people and get so passionate and enjoy hard work when it, when it was focusing on child receiving beds that it really to- it taught me something. We started to get all these these inquiries about service and more inquiries about beds. And I remember one story I like to share. Um, it was kind of a pivotal moment for, for me. I was up in Boise sitting down with Jordan, my friend. We were talking about the upcoming build season, which was only one build a year in Christmas time, what we're going to do and all this, and how neat of an experience delivering these beds were. And this lady pops up around the around our, our little table we were at and she says hey I, I have to apologize I've listened to your whole conversation and she says here's all the money in my wallet and I just dropped I said I, we didn't know what to say I just said thank you <laughs> I mean it was such an emotional but a very telling experience that th- there's there's a lot of people that that care when they learn about the problem of child bedlessness, they want to do something. And we took that to heart and we, we felt like it was our responsibility. I felt certainly that it was my responsibility to not hog this moment, but to serve as many people and as many kids as we can. That's why our, our mission statement is no kid sleeps on the floor in our town, but we want to make our town everybody's town. So as we started building we started building every Christmas, which turned into, okay, let's build more during the year. We became a nonprofit. More people started seeing us. More applications came in, so we started to try to do more and more beds. Then friends started seeing what we're doing on Facebook. They wanted to help out in their own communities. You can kind of see how this snowballed into what where in about 2017, we had nine chapters, and most of them were family and friends. Uh, there was a few of them that found us on Facebook that we we started up as chapters, but in the first part of 2018, Mike Rowe had a a Facebook series called "Returning the Favor," which was a series that would honor or recognize rather 
nonprofits and their founders, and then they would give something back to the nonprofit, whether it's, you know, sometimes it's a vehicle, sometimes it's cash, sometimes it's just, you know, items that they need. Well, one item that we did not have that we needed was a warehouse because we, you know, in Idaho, you can't build during the, the winter months. It's just difficult. So they, they right. came in and Micro and his team, you know, gave us a, a warehouse for three years and it was an amazing experience. But what, what came out of that is that episode, season two, episode nine, I believe, was viewed 10 million times. And that viewage, that viewing wow. um, created 5,000 chapter requests, which is new chapters, people wanting to start chapters across the country. So we wow. kind of scrambled and started putting together this this wow. training program. <laughs> trying to put a, I mean, we're just a bunch of Idaho kids, you know. But we put we put together a pretty good program, and and since then to now nowadays where we're at now, we we've trained over three hundred and thirty chapters, and we went from building that first year twenty two beds to last year we built over forty two thousand beds. And year to date, well, I should say. Wow. Know, not year to date, but uh, organization to date, you know, since the start, we've built uh, 143,664 beds using almost 300,000 volunteers. It's been amazing. Wow. That is unbelievable. I shouldn't say unbelievable. Nothing is unbelievable when people put their minds to solve something. It's just, you just don't hear about it enough. You know, we just don't hear about it enough. Yeah. So I'm glad. Well, and I think I see a lot of people that the things we found out, Art, was child bedlessness is huge. It, it yeah. What's the nature of that problem? What, what, what's the biggest? You know, it's there, there's not really any good statistics out there. I mean, you okay. trust me. I've spent ten years trying to find some good, reliable statistics, and there's not. You know, the best statistic we can come up with is kind of what Sleep in Heavenly Peace has put together. As we've as we've looked at demographics, we've looked at areas, we've received how many applications because we get thousands, hundreds of thousands of applications a year, and as when you can kind of compare it to the population, it's greater than three percent. 3% of the total wow. population represents kids either sleeping on the floor, on couches, sleeping together, sleeping with parents, you know, which, which when you think about it, and, and, and let me back up, it's, it's a very, it's so unknown mm -hmm. and a lot of times quite embarrassing for these, for these parents that you don't realize how bad the problem really is. We have a saying that bedlessness, child bedlessness may not be a real word, but it is a real problem because yeah. people know, and they don't know about it. And, mm -hmm. and back in 2014, I remember when we kind of started doing this as a charity, I wanted to see if anybody else was doing it. Yeah, there was only one organization way out in North Carolina that was, was providing beds for kids, and that was it, which was really shocking to me because we were getting so many requests just in our fairly wealthy, certainly not poverty-stricken Twin Falls, Idaho. We knew that this was a bigger problem than we thought. Yeah. Wow. So, okay, here's where we are now. Where do you think the organization is headed and where would you like to see it go? You know, we, we grow about 40 to 60 chapters a year. We're now in four countries. Obviously, if the, if the problem exists in the United States, it's existing everywhere else. You know, so our goal is to try to facilitate and set up really the opportunity. That's all SHP is. It's giving people the opportunity to provide the same service in their own hometown communities. So this this chapter president training program, whatnot we put together is really just a platform. We take all the 
running a nonprofit and regulatory stuff out of the hands of the chapter president just so they can focus on raising money, building beds, and delivering beds. We, we want to provide that platform for everybody because we want to grow. I mean, our mission is still our mission is no kid, you know, not just United States, not just Idaho. No kid is going to sleep on the floor in our town. And we have a very good model. It's very simple for people to do. And so our goal is to, to reach as many, many kids as we can, develop chapters, stabilize chapters in as many areas and, and towns as we can, and then eventually grow to other countries as we, we can. We're moving along really well. You know, we went from, like I said, 22 beds that first year to we're scheduling 50,000 beds to deliver this year in just the United States. Now, are you able to get businesses and other places to donate supplies? And I guess wood is a big element to this. <laughs> we do. Uh, That's there a are a lot. There's lots of timber, timber in, in Idaho, but I suspect you're <laughs> getting it from other sources. <laughs> you know, it's funny. We uh, one of the first chapters we started outside of Idaho was a gentleman by the name of Nate Miller in uh, Minnesota. Just, just kind of outside of Minneapolis, he had his first build. And what, what, what I mean by build art is the way the process works is we go find organizations, companies usually that that want to do a team building exercise, and so we they they donate two hundred and fifty dollars for every bed that they want to build because we provide a bed, mattress, sheets, that's the whole nine yards, right? So we show up either at their location or if the chapter has a warehouse, people come to their warehouse. But we take these employees. And we actually take raw wood, stuff that we get from usually Lowe's, and we cut it, sand it, drill it, put it together, and we make pieces. Well, we make a bed. They're, they're still in pieces. And then we deliver it and assemble it in the homes. And so a build day is involving all these, these volunteers that some of them have never even used a drill before, but they get the chance to f- feel the joy of service but also learn a skill, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they come together for three, four hours, and we can build – you know, we can build 30, 40 beds in just in a just three or four hours time. Wow. And then we set up deliveries. And so when we when we went to this Minnesota build, we walked in and lo and behold, on the on the wood itself was stamped Idaho. <laughs> so, <laughs> How about that? Yeah, so it's pretty, it's pretty funny. Yeah. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Well, listen, so before we close out, I wanna make sure people have a chance to connect with you in some way if they want to be a part of this or if you have opportunities for people to participate. You mentioned that businesses might want to do team building activities. There may be communities that want to have a drive of their own. How would they connect with you to make something like that happen? So the first place to go is to our website, shpbeds.org. So shpbeds.org has a lot of avenues for people to either learn about is there a chapter in my area? You can contact that chapter present if there is. And there's volunteer opportunities for both build days, delivery days, bedding drives, fundraisers that you can either help out with or be a part of. The next thing you do is, of course, donate. And and Art, I, I, I'm, a, just a, I'm just a farm kid from Idaho. And, and one thing I learned about the nonprofit world that I always hated was I didn't want to donate money to a nonprofit that I didn't know where my money went to, right? And, and I think a lot of people feel the same way. So when we set it up, and this is not easy to do, but the way we set up Sleep in Heavenly Peace is when you can actually select, wherever you're at in the world, you can select the chapter that you want your money to go to. And boom, your money goes there. And we are completely transparent. The only funds that we take from that donated money to that chapter is 10%. 
that helps, of course, pay for the business side of, of running a nonprofit. So 90% of your donated dollar stays in the community that you donated the money to and the beds stay there. And that's really important to us because we want to make sure that you know that's where it stays at. So you can donate to whatever chapter you want, whether it's monetary or in-kind donations. And then the last thing you can do is, of course, just spread the awareness, spread the fact that child bedlessness really is a problem. There is a good solution. Um, Sleep in Heavenly Peace is the largest bed building charity in the world. Not to brag only because there's not very many, you know, and, and yeah. we're really trying to reach as many as we can. And if you, if you do go to the website and you do, you don't see a chapter near you and you feel like you feel that bug, you feel that urge of wanting to give back. Think about becoming a chapter yourself and how you can help your own community. I have, we run a podcast, not, not to give myself a shameless plug here, Art, but our podcast humans helping humans is really centered around chapter presidents and their experience going from sitting on their couch to becoming an active chapter delivering thousands of beds to kids and the things that it's done for them personally i think it shocks most people that that realize that there's great people out there you can mingle with and the stories from helping these kids are life-changing well thank you luke you've been listening to luke mickelson who has been spending now a good chunk of his life making sure that kids had a heavenly place to sleep that is a bed, which, believe it or not, many kids don't have. And he's done a remarkable job, both exposing the challenge and getting others to chip in and make sure that kids everywhere who need beds have them. So, Luke, I want to thank you for what you're doing and also want to thank you for joining us on this show and wish you continued success. Thank you. And to all of our listeners, if you're checking in for the first time, you can find us, of course, on all major podcast platforms, and you'll notice that there are hundreds of other podcast guests that we've had now, and you may find some of those episodes interesting. And if you're interested in supporting the podcast, uh, we would graciously accept your donation if you would just go to give.org and make a contribution to the BBB Wise Giving Alliance, which our podcast is a program of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance. I want to thank you all for listening, and I hope we'll see you back here next week. You've just listened to the Heart of Giving podcast with Art Taylor. Be sure to tune in next time for a brand new episode. To listen to our other interviews, visit heartgiving.podbean.com. That's heartgiving.podbean.com. Subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are the views and opinions of the guests, not those of the BBB Wise Giving Alliance or program affiliates. This podcast is for information and educational purposes only and is copyrighted with all rights reserved. This podcast is protected by Podbean's Terms of Service.